0: hello everyone and welcome to employment matters brought to you by the employment law alliance the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe i'm your host cynthia chong partner at deacons in hong kong here on employment matters we bring you updates from around the world as we dial in our local ela lawyers today we're going to be chatting with ricky yamanaka partner at yushijima and partners in japan on the program today Ricky is going to be talking about the Whistleblower Protection Act and Power Harassment Prevention Act. Thanks for joining us, Ricky.
1: Thank you, Sincere. So how are you doing today?
0: I'm very, very good. I heard that it's it's quite cold in Japan. Hope you're staying well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, actually it snows today.
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) It's unusual in Tokyo, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, unusual. Yes.
0: Okay, so does Whistleblower Protection Act apply to every whistleblowing? Is there any limitation on what kind of whistleblowing claims will be protected under the amended Whistleblower Protection Act?
1: Actually, protection under the amended Act, which will come into effect as of June 1st this year, is limited to whistleblowing claims about matters which are subject to criminal penalty. However, the rules and guidelines concerning the handling of whistleblowing claims under the amended Act would provide practical standards for the handling of any whistleblowing claims because the Japanese government stated that employers should make efforts to follow the rules and guidelines under the Amended Act, even if the matter is not subject to criminal penalty. So we anticipate that employees will use the Amended Act to make various whistleblowing claims, whether or not they are legitimate.
0: Oh, I see. Wow, so it's got a a very wide applicability, huh? Does this amendment apply to all employers then in Japan?
1: This amendment applies to employers that employ more than 300 employees. But practically, all the employers should follow this amended act in handling whistleblowing claims because it is expected that the amended act would provide the practical standards irrespective of the size of the employer. As long as employers follow the rules and guidelines under the amended act, the handling of a whistleblowing claim would not be regarded as unreasonable or unfair. In addition, we anticipate that employees of smaller companies would make increased whistleblowing claims using the amended act standards regardless of the number of employees. Moreover, since the rules and guidelines under the amended act are reasonable enough, there is no good reason for small companies to argue that such standards should not apply to us.
0: I see, I see. So, since it applies to sort of, pretty much all employers in Japan, so what are these employers required to do under the amended whistleblower protection act? Then,
1: the amended act requires employers to do two things. One is to appoint a person to handle whistleblowing claims, and the other one is to take necessary measures to appropriately respond to whistleblowing claims. Necessary measures include the following four measures. First is to establish a reception desk for whistleblowing claims. Second is to make sure that the whistleblowing claims against executives will be handled independently from such executives. Third is to accept and investigate whistleblowing claims as necessary and to take necessary action if wrongdoing is found. Fourth is to make sure that the person having a conflict of interest will not be involved in the handling of relevant whistleblowing claims.
0: So, there needs to be an appointed person, right? So, what are the responsibilities of this person then to handle whistleblowing claims on behalf of the employer?
1: The person appointed to handle whistleblowing claims has an obligation not to leak, without justifiable reasons, information that may identify the whistleblower, and breach of such obligation is subject to personal criminal penalty of a fine up to 300,000 Japanese yen. In view of a potential criminal penalties, we would expect that individual company employees would be reluctant to serve as the appointee to handle whistleblowing claims.
0: Yeah, I would have thought so. <laughs> it would be difficult <laughs> to find someone to take on their position, huh? <laughs> right. So what would be the most important practical implication for employers regarding this amendment then?
1: Employers should be aware that there is a risk that the person appointed to handle whistleblowing claims might be accused of leaking of information that may identify the whistleblower, especially in the case of whistleblowing claims regarding alleged harassment. In the case of whistleblowing claims, regarding harassment, A whistleblower often requests that his or her identity not be made known to the wrongdoer for fear of retaliation. So, if for some reason the wrongdoer suspects or comes to know that the whistleblower made a whistleblowing claim, then the whistleblower would think that the person appointed to handle whistleblowing claims must have leaked the information that may identify the whistleblower even if, in reality, the person appointed had not leaked such information. In such a situation, the whistleblower might not only accuse the company of a poor handling of whistleblowing claims, but also file a criminal complaint against the person appointed for breach of the obligation not to leak the information.
0: Well, I I would expect then the employers probably would need to somehow incentivize people to be the appointed person then. Right. (laughs) You know, with this new enactment of the Whistleblowing Act, do you expect to see more whistleblowing claims alleging harassment because of this amendment?
1: Yes, because the amendment would provide good protection for whistleblowers. Also, another reason is an amendment to the Power Harassment Prevention Act which will come into effect as of April 1st this year. Previously, only large companies were obligated to take necessary measures to prevent power harassment and to deal with complaints concerning alleged power harassment. By this amendment, all companies, including medium and small-sized enterprises, will have such obligation. Practically, this amendment would give an employee who believes that he or she is being harassed, a basis to argue that what my boss has been doing is power harassment, which is illegal under the Power Harassment Prevention Act. And it is the company's responsibility to prevent power harassment and to punish the person who did such power harassment.
0: So, you know, clearly, as you said, more people are probably going to bring claims. So under what situations do you anticipate employees would bring these claims?
1: When an employee is requested to leave the company because of his poor performance, he would lose interest in maintaining a good relationship with his boss and would have motivation to make a whistleblowing claim, alleging, for example, that he has been harassed by his boss for many years and the bad evaluation of him by his boss is actually a part of power harassment. In Japan, in order to terminate an employee, an employer needs to show strong objective reason. So it is very common to negotiate a separation agreement when an employer wants to separate an employee. However, when a targeted employee makes a whistleblowing claim during the termination negotiation, the negotiation can become very complicated. Such whistleblowing claim can be used for the purpose of making the negotiation advantageous to the employee.
0: Yeah, that seems to be a universal issue, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whenever that there are situations of termination, they will probably allege some sort of retaliation or something mm. like that. So what should employers keep in mind when dealing with complaints concerning alleged harassment then?
1: The initial reaction is very important. If the employer made a mistake in handling confidential information, the employee will have another and possibly stronger reason to accuse the employer, alleging, for example, that his identity was made known to the alleged wrongdoer. Investigating a whistleblowing claim while maintaining information confidentiality is not an easy task and requires a considerable amount of training for the person to be appointed to handle whistleblowing claims. For an employer who does not have such resources for such training or an appropriate person to investigate, they may want to ask an outside vendor, uh, particularly a lawyer, to handle whistleblowing claims. Using a third-party investigator would be good in terms of maintaining impartiality in the investigation and would also relieve the company of the burden to try to find a willing employee to appoint 200 claims.
0: Yeah, I would have thought so. <laughs> so it, it sounds like there are lots of things for the employers to think about before the Act come into place in June. Yes.
1: Definitely. So
0: if anyone has any questions, they should probably come and find you, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, great. Thank you. Uh, Ricky, thanks so much for taking the time to discuss these issues with us and for joining us on this program. If you'd like to connect with Ricky, please click on his bio in the description of this podcast. Also search the ELA website at ELA Law to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labour and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Cynthia Chung. Thanks so much for listening.